Amen. You can be seated. So great to see you today. Several months ago, I was on Instagram and I was looking uh, at some of the hashtags that we use uh, here at the church and I was just clicking around and one of the hashtags we use is Church Denver and I clicked on that hashtag and I was looking through some pictures. I saw some other churches, but I also saw a club in, in the Denver area that was called The Church. The Church. And I thought, wow, that is so interesting. A club called The Church. Mom, I'm going to church tonight. The Church. It actually was an old church in 1889. St. Mark's Episcopalian Church was erected. And the congregation worshipped there for many years, but they relocated to another place. And the building sat empty for 20 years until a club purchased it and called it the Sanctuary. And later they changed the name to the Church of the Seven Candles. They actually named the, the club after the stained glass behind the pulpit. Evidently there's seven candles and it's called the Church of the Seven Candles commonly known as the church, the church. And I just thought, wow, that is so interesting. I mean, the Gothic ceilings from the 19th century are still there. The stained glass windows, the intricate woodwork that was done around the altar. Um, it looks like a church, but somehow along the way, the church lost its purpose. Where they used to serve the Lord's Supper, now they serve mojitos, where the choir used to sing, now there's DJs. Mm, 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 mm. It's a totally different deal. And the church lost its purpose. The passage I want to share with you today is intricately related. It's about a congregation that lost its purpose. In John chapter 2, Jesus is at the temple in Jerusalem ready to celebrate the Passover, only to find that the church, the temple, had lost its purpose. And Jesus responds in a really interesting way. Would you open your Bibles today to the second chapter of the Gospel of John? John chapter 2, verse 13 to 17. The Jewish Passover was near, and so Jesus went up to Jerusalem in the temple, he found people selling oxen, sheep, and doves, and he also found the money changers sitting there, and after making a whip out of cords, he drove everyone out of the temple with their sheep and oxen, and he poured out the money changers' coins and overturned the tables. He told those who were selling the doves, get these things out of here, stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. And the disciples remembered that it is written, a zeal for your house will consume me. And they quote the Psalms there. Wow. I mean, most of the time when we think of Jesus, we think of this guy with a little halo over his head that's hugging people and patting people on the back and encouraging people and, and, and supporting people. This is a completely different side of Jesus, is it not? Jesus is turning over tables. He's got the whip. The Bible doesn't say that he hurt anybody, but Jesus was obviously upset. Jesus was frustrated. 
You could say that Jesus opened up a can, if you will. Jesus is like, man, well, what was going on? In the temple, the money changers began to exploit the people. And so what happened is the temple was, was, was layered out. It had an outer area where the court of the Gentiles was. They had a court of the women. And then there's different sections of the temple. But in the outer section, the courtyard, <clears throat> the courtyard of the Gentiles, people were selling sacrifices. Now, what's the problem with that? Jewish people worship by bringing sacrifices. That's true. But people were exploiting people. And they were doing at least two things that were disturbing to Jesus. One was people would travel from many miles away to come to the temple. Uh, Jewish people would, would travel from different countries and nations every year to come and worship at the temple. And when you came to worship, you had to bring a sacrifice. And it was hard to bring an oxen or to bring a donkey all these many miles. And so a lot of times people would buy a sacrifice when they got to Jerusalem. They would get to the temple and they would say, give me one of those temple doves or one of those temple goats or whatever it was. And, and the people selling these animals had raised the price. They, they, they were making a huge margin on it. It was like if goats go for free 99, we're going to charge you this much. And, and Jesus said, well, you know, you guys have made the temple something that it's not supposed to be. Uh, it's not wrong to make money, but it is wrong to rip people off and to, to exploit people. Furthermore, you had to pay a temple tax. And the temple tax was required by all Jewish people. And when you brought, came to the temple, you brought your temple tax. But here's the catch. You had to pay, pay the temple tax in the temple currency. The Jewish people did not want to have Roman coins, Roman, you know, Roman type uh, ingots and coins in the temple because it had the image of Caesar on it. So they said, you got to use temple money. It's kind of like when you go to Chuck E. Cheese and you want to play video games. You can't use quarters. You got to use Chuck E. Cheese money. Same deal. So they made money by an exchange rate and they jacked the exchange rate up massively. So people had to get the temple money, but to get the temple money, they had to pay a premium to get the money exchanged and they were getting ripped off. And so the, the, the temple had kind of, not kind of, it had lost its purpose. It had become like a business enterprise where people were being exploited, not a place where people were worshiping the living God. And this got under Jesus's skin. This got Jesus frustrated. If you've ever been to boondocks before, you know that you, you play video games with the card, right? You got to pay a dollar to get the card and then you play the video games. And they have all the prizes. You know, if your kids get 10,000 tickets, you get a teddy bear and all that. And it might cost you $75 to win the teddy bear, but you could buy the same thing at Walmart for $10.99, you know, that kind of thing. This is kind of what's going on in the temple. People are being exploited. Jesus is obviously upset. And the first thing I want you to see is that Jesus is zealous for the heart of God. Now, the word zealous or zeal means a fervor or an eagerness or a passion. Another translation uses the word heartily, which literally means from the soul. 
So, so Jesus is zealous for the temple. Jesus is zealous for the house of God. Jesus is zealous for people to worship. Jesus is zealous for people to have an encounter with God. Can you imagine what it would be like to be a Gentile to show up at the temple and say, hey, I, I want to know how to believe in the Lord. Would somebody help me? And then you look around and it's all of the money changers making their, you know, getting their grubby hands on everybody's money and selling the, the sacrifices at exorbitant prices and making all these margins and all that. Is that really the environment that's going to help people know the Lord? Jesus said, no way. So what did Jesus do? He cleared the temple. He's turning over tables. He's kicking people out. I don't know about you. I kind of like this side of Jesus. Amen? I mean, Jesus was fully God, but he was fully man. He was all that. Jesus is tender. Jesus is tough. Jesus is not a pushover. Jesus is throwing down on the guys in the, in the temple. That house of worship had lost its purpose. It lost its purpose. But, you know, to be Christ's disciple, that means that I should care about the things that Jesus cares about. Is that true? We should care about the things Jesus cares about. If Jesus cares about the house of worship, so should we. So Jesus cares about the house of worship. I should be zealous for the house of worship as well. I should be zealous. Not apathetic about the house of God, not passive or detached or indifferent, if you will, but, but I should be passionately engaged. Uh, I should not be suspicious of the house. You know, expect the worst. Never give the benefit of the doubt. Um, you can't build anything where there's a lack of trust. You know, you can't build a marriage if there's not a lack, of, if there's a lack of trust, some of you have been in marriages like that. Some of you may be in a marriage like that currently. If you don't have trust, you can't build a healthy family. If you don't have trust, you can't build a business. How many of you have ever worked in a business where people don't trust each other? Anybody? Yeah. And, and you have to work like three times harder to get the same amount of work done because nobody can work together because nobody trusts each other. The church is the same way. The church operates on trust. And when we trust each other, we move the ball down the field and we advance God's mission. We're zealous. But listen, we cannot be zealous if we have skepticism, if we have apathy, if we have indifference. Those things eat away at spiritual passion. And we want to have the passion that Jesus had for the house of God. Jesus was passionate. Well, why? Why should I be passionate? For the house of God. Um, a couple of reasons. One, it aligns my heart with the heart of Jesus. That's always a good thing. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Um, I will grow more spiritually. You know, if you're committed in the house of God and you're committed to the church, you're going to grow way more than people who are not. It, it, it just is the way that it works. Um, thirdly, you're going to develop relationships with God's people. I mean, the church is a big family, and that's the way the Bible describes the church as a family. We got some crazy uncles around here. That's true. We do. But we're a family. What a better word to describe the church than a family. We're a big family. We love each other. 
support each other. I'll tell you, one of the reasons that I'm a huge fan of the local church, when I was 18 years old, my parents went through a really nasty, nasty divorce. I'm talking like one of the worst. The lawyers are like, this is one of the worst I've ever seen before. Our church reached out to me and my brother and my family and blessed us in an amazing way. It touched my heart. I've never gotten over that. The brokenness, the hurt, the pain that I felt. And it was the leaders of our church. It was members of our church that were taking me to lunch, that were calling me, that were praying for me, that were blessing me. And I'll tell you, all these years later, I just don't think I've quite gotten over that. Touched my heart so much. I've committed my whole life to the church as a pastor. I love the church. Being a pastor is all that I've ever wanted to do since I was 18 years old. But listen, you don't have to be ordained or called to be a pastor to love the church. I hope that as you grow spiritually and you get closer to Christ, that you will get closer to his body. Because when you love the church, you will love Christ more. And when you love Christ, you will love the church. They all go together. It's not like Jesus is over here and the church is over there. They're one and the same. When you love Jesus, you will love his people. And when you love the people of God, you will love the church. Because listen, the church is not an institution. The church is the people. We love the building that we have here. We have a beautiful facility. Amen. It's an awesome thing. But guess what? Edge Church is not a building. Edge Church is a people. We are Edge Church. And I hope that you will fall in love with the people of God. I hope you will fall in love with what God is doing right here because it's an awesome thing. Now, why should I be passionate about the church? Why should I be passionate? There's really nothing like the church. I mean, the church is a unique organization. And, and I hate to even use the word organization, but you know what I'm saying. The church is a, a unique entity. There is nothing like the church. Somebody asked me yesterday, what's the age of the people that go to your church? And I was like, we have everything. We got everybody. We, we got some millennials. We got some Gen Xers. We got some, some really cool grandparents here at Ed Church. We got a lot of different kinds of people. We really do. We have people from all different spiritual backgrounds. Some of you guys have never been to church before or hardly been. Others of you have been in church a whole lot and maybe somewhere in between. We got a little bit of everything. We got people of different races and different ethnicities. How do you take all these different people that are from all these different backgrounds and all these different places and all these different perspectives, how do you bring all these diverse peoples together to accomplish one objective? It's Jesus. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the one that unites us. Jesus is the one that brings us together. Jesus is the one that takes lots of different kinds of people and teaches people to love each other and to serve each other and, and to work together to accomplish kingdom mission and purpose. That's what we have. And that's why the church is so special. There's nothing like it in our community. Now the church was instituted by Jesus in Matthew 16. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It's been in the heart of God 
and it's been in the heart of Jesus to always to build the church. And the church is a place where we help people break addictions. We help people find truth and encouragement. We help people find um, teaching. Um, we help people in all kinds of different varieties. When you came in this morning, you probably saw all the colors in the parking lot. If you parked in the front lot, did you see all that? Some of you thought, what just happened? You know, we had our color wars for our student ministry here. We had a big chalk war in the rain on Wednesday night. It was awesome. And the remnants are out there. We left it for you guys to see it. You know, we had a great time. I really believe this. When teenagers and kids have fun at church, they learn more. One of our objectives, and I say this unashamedly, is to have fun at church. Amen? Amen? We want to love Jesus. We want to teach the Bible. We want to have fun. It's very simple around here. When kids have fun... They want to come back. They want to bring their friends. They want to be involved in what God is doing. That's why we're here. And that's why the church is so important. The church matters. We should be zealous for the house of God. Passionate for the house of God. Because of these reasons. And the church is the hope of the world. You know, many of the books of the New Testament were written to what? To local churches. The book of Romans is written to who? The Roman church, yeah. The book of Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. Who? The church at Thessalonica. The church at Philippi. The church at Colossae. It's about the church. And it's kind of cool and in vogue to be down on the church. But I want you to know that the church is still... The greatest thing going for the kingdom of God. And it started in the heart of God. It, it, has, it has motivated the, the heart of Jesus. And that's why we love the church. The church is an amazing place. We've already had over 100 people that have committed their lives to Christ in the last year here at Edge Church. Uh, where does that happen? The church. The church. We've baptized 50 or 60 people, I think, the last 12 months in the church. The web team let me know we've had 29,000 uh, first-time viewers or unique viewers of our website. 29,000. That's a lot of folks. Is it not? 29,000 people. That's a lot. The church. We need the church. We need the church. Well, look at a couple of things that we see from the heart of Jesus in his zeal. One, he had a righteous anger. One of our values here at Ed Church is loyalty. Because we recognize if there's not unity in the church, if there's not loyalty, there will be a spirit of division which will always hurt what God wants to do in the body. And we don't want that. And righteous anger is something that we should have on occasion when we see social injustices or we see divisions or we see sin in the church. Now, a lot of people think, well, I'm a Christian. I should just be meek and mild and gentle, again, kind of like what we have about Jesus. But can I say this today? Like, there is a time to be ticked off. There's a time to stand up and, and, and stiffen your backbone and to say, that's not of God. That's not right. We're not going to be a part of that. It's called righteous anger. Righteousness is a word that means a passion to do what is right. 
And there are times and occasions where we should have righteous anger. I'm not talking about punching somebody in the face, but I'm just talking about just saying within ourselves and to others, that's not right. We're not going to do that. Being meek and mild is not always godly. Sometimes that's wimpy. Sometimes that's spiritual immaturity. And the fact that Jesus acted on these injustices in the temple reminds us that there is a place and a time and a call for righteous anger. Righteous anger. In Psalm 69, 9, the psalmist said, My love for your house burns in me like a fire. And when others insult you, they insult me as well. Don't you talk about my church like that. When you insult them, you insult me. When you insult the Lord, you insult me. There's a righteous anger that's there. There's a righteous purpose. One of our values is life transformation. Um, our name is Edge Church because we are reaching people on the edge. Reaching people on the edge. People ask sometimes, why is it Edge Church? We're reaching people on the edge. The edge of doubt. The edge of faith. The edge of, of addiction. The edge of, you could fill in the blank with whatever it may be. The edge church. Reaching people on the edge. And therefore we should have a righteous purpose. The purpose is reaching people. It's life transformation. It's people's hearts and lives ignited and transformed by Jesus. We have a righteous passion. A righteous passion to give God the best we have. Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever we do in word or deed, we should do all to the glory of God. We should do it with all of our hearts. God deserves our very best. One of our values is levels of excellence because we want to give our best to God. And we have a righteous passion. We're willing to sacrifice for the house. We're willing to pray for the house. We're willing to roll up our sleeves and work for the house because we love and we have a zeal for what's of God. The psalmist said in Psalm 8410, better is a day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather stand at the threshold of the house of my God than live in the tents of wicked people. He says just one day, one day in the house of God is better than a thousand elsewhere. And he says, I'd rather be a doorkeeper. I would, rather, I would rather be on the first impressions team. Stand at the door. Just being as close as I could be. I'd rather be there than to spend a thousand days elsewhere. Passion, man. Do you see it? There's a righteous passion for the house. You know, as we grow older, sometimes it is easier to lose passion. Sometimes passion is associated with young people. Young people are passionate. When we get a little older, sometimes we get kind of cynical. Sometimes we get jaded. Sometimes we lose that, that drive and passion. One of my great, great heroes of the book of Joshua is a man by the name of Caleb. Caleb is 40 years old. He's one of the two spies that goes into the land of promise that believes that the Israelites can conquer the enemies. Joshua and Caleb. The other ten say there's no way. The enemy is too vicious. They're too big. They're too strong. We can't do it. The Israelites go and wander in the wilderness for 40 years because 
They spread a bad report among the people. Then they come back and they do what God had purposed for them to do 40 years earlier. Caleb, after the conquest of Canaan, is 85 years old. He's an old dude, 85. And this is what he said as they were dividing the land there in Canaan. Joshua 14, 11, As yet I am as strong this day as I was the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so my strength is now for war, both to go out and to come in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain. Caleb says, I'm still passionate about the things of God. I'm as strong today as I was then. Now, I don't know if he really was or just thought he was, but... But don't you love his heart? Don't you love his passion? He's just as passionate for God at 85 as he was when he was 40. It's incredible. And I hope that as we grow older, that we would not grow less passionate, but that we would grow more passionate for the great things that God wants to do in our life and in our church. Well, how can I keep my passion, my zeal for the house of God? One thing is attending. Attending. I mean, uh, you know, if you're not at the house of God, it's hard to be passionate about the house of God. Amen? If you come to church once a quarter, you will never be passionate about the house of God. You won't. This, this will be kind of like a strange place to you. I'm thankful for the people that come Christmas and Easter, but listen, you will never be passionate for the things of God if you just come a couple times a year. So attending... Uh, attending. I hope when you wake up in the morning, you're excited to hear the word of God. I hope you don't see church as a religious obligation. I, I got to go or I'll feel guilty. I'm going to go because my wife told me I had to. I'm going to go because I'll feel bad if I don't go. I hope you are zealous and excited to come and worship the Lord. Amen. I hope that's your motivation. I hope that's why you wake up on Sunday morning. Like, what's God going to do today at the church? I hope you love seeing your friends at church. The more involved you are, the more friends you will have. You know, growing up as a kid, my greatest friends were always at the church. The families that my family ran around with and the kids that I, you know, grew up with and hung out with on the weekends, it was the church. It was all about the church. <coughs> I love that. I used to sing in the youth choir, and I don't know if you've ever heard me sing before, but you, you, if you have, you would know that that would have to be an act of God for me to join the youth choir. One Sunday morning, they left my headset microphone on. This is why I don't use a headset microphone anymore, because sometimes the sound guys, and we have great sound guys, but one time the sound guy left on the microphone. And one time he left it on while I was going to the bathroom, and one time he left it on uh, during the worship experience and I was singing songs of praise and worship like from the bottom of my heart and my wife was giving me dirty looks from the stage and I was like, what happened to Gina? She's not filled with the spirit today. What's going on? <laughs> I found out later that it was my voice that was getting her off key because I was making a joyful noise. But that's all it was. It was joyful, but, but I sang in the youth choir, but I sang in the youth choir, not because I was a singer. I sang because I just loved the church. I just loved to be involved. I wanted to be with my friends. I wanted to be in the house of God. It was an awesome thing. 
I'm so glad that I sang in the choir. I'm so glad they had a place for me. It was not because I had great vocal skills. It was just a lot of enthusiasm. How can I keep my passion for the things of God? Attending. I hope that you'll make it your your ambition and your goal and mission to have your family at the house of God whenever stuff's going on. Tonight is team night. I hope you're going to be here at team night, 5 o'clock. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. I hope you just love being with the family. You know, somebody said, well, what's the program the other day? I was like, the program doesn't matter. The program will be great. I want you to come and be with the family of God. Don't worry about the program. It's not about the program. We're going to have great food, but it's even not really about the food. It's about the community, man. Just come and love being with the people. Just come and enjoy that. There's attending. There's serving, using your gifts. You know, how can you stay red hot, passionate for the things of God? Use your gifts in the church. We talked about spiritual gifts two weeks ago here at the church. And as you use those gifts, you become more passionate for what God is doing. You're involved. This is my church. This is where I'm connected. So there's attending. There's serving. There is bringing. Uh, You know, I found a new pizza place in town. And I've been taking people to eat pizza with me at this new restaurant. I actually really enjoy it. It's a great place. If anybody wants to eat some pizza, let me know. We'll go check out this new pizza joint. Isn't it a natural thing to do to tell people when you enjoy something? Right? When you go to a restaurant and you're like, the food was good, what do you do? You tell people. Right? Some of you yelp. Others of you tell friends. How many of you, when you um, go to a store and you like their merchandise or you like the service or you you tell people that's like normal, natural things to do. Listen, if you love the house of God, the natural thing to do is to tell people, isn't it? Right. Yeah. Like it should just come out of you. Man, I was at church the other day. We were talking about this. I met these people and it was a great experience. And man, I'd love it if you came to bringing Some time ago, we had a lady who gave her life to Christ here at the church. She was getting baptized. She invited the whole office to come to her baptism. And one of the friends said, I'm an atheist. I think I would burn the church down if I came to church to see your baptism. Are you sure that an atheist like me could come to your church? She said, one of our mottos is no perfect people allow. We'd love to have you at church. The friend shows up. Comes to the 930 service. Guess what happens? She hears the gospel and gives her life to Christ and becomes an active member of our church. Is that amazing? Isn't that great? Where does that happen? That happens at the church. That's where it happens. Bringing people. Bringing. Over the next year. We would like to add at least 100 people to our weekend attendance here at the church. Do you believe that there's at least 100 people in our community that need Christ? Would we agree with that? Probably a lot more than that. By the thousands that need the Lord. But we want to advance the mission. How are we going to do it? You're going to bring. You're going to bring people. You're going to bring people. 
And you know what? That's when church gets fun. Because you come in and you're like, you know what, man? I got these great friends. My friends came to Christ here. My kids love it. My friends are here. I love the word. The band was awesome. This is great. God's going to speak to me. Woo! I can't wait to be at church. Bringing. Attending. Serving. Giving. Giving is a huge part of your heart being connected with a body. Now, when I was a kid, my dad was a stockbroker. And so as a little kid, I think I was seven or eight years old, my dad said, Ryan, it's time. We had the man-to-man talk. It was like, it's time for you to invest in the stock market. (laughs) And I'm like, cool, dad, what's a stock market? And my dad was trying to explain what stocks were. And I still don't even understand what stocks are. But I understood enough that I needed to give whatever money I had saved as a kid to buy several shares of of a company called Pizza Inn. My dad said, and Pizza Inn is a Dallas-based pizza company. Most of you probably have not heard of it, but he said, you gotta buy Pizza Inn stock. It's at the right price. This is perfect for you. It's a great way for you to invest. Pizza Inn. Okay, so took my money, invested in Pizza Inn, and, and I was like, Dad, what does this mean? He was like, well, you're a stockholder. You know I mean, you have, you have several shares of stock. Well, I thought I was a part owner in Pizza Inn. I mean, I was like, every time we were going to go out to eat, I'm like, Dad, Pizza Inn. We got to support Pizza Inn. If my friends wanted to go to the pizza place across the street, no, we're going to Pizza Inn. I am a stockholder at Pizza Inn. It was awesome. I still love Pizza Inn. Pizza Inn. It's a great place. You know, when, you've, when you're vested in something, you feel a part of it. You want it to grow. You want it to mature. You want it to thrive. You want it to be awesome. You want it to be the best that it can. And you want to do everything you can to help the church reach the goals and objectives that God's put before it. Uh, Many of you know that our 10-year anniversary is coming up on September 29th. Is that great? September 29th. We're still here. A God-made decade. Amen. A year, uh, 10 years later. It's been an awesome, awesome journey. We're going to celebrate like crazy on September 29th. One of the ways we're going to celebrate is we're going to bring a special offering. And the special offering is called the I Love My Church offering. We're going to use those funds to help repair our elevator, fill some potholes in the parking lot, buy some computers. we got some ancient computers around here. We need to fix our lighting system. We need to do some painting. There's a whole bunch of things we need to do in our own facility to continue to propel the vision forward. And what a great way to celebrate on our 10-year anniversary than to bring an offering. So we're asking everybody to pray about their involvement and what God would put on your heart to do to help us to celebrate this momentous occasion and to advance the mission here at Edge Church. I love my church. And we're receiving those offerings now through the middle of October to give you plenty of time to participate with us. It's going to be fantastic. When I'm giving, when I'm bringing, when I'm attending, when I'm serving, I am zealous for the house of God. I'm doing everything I can to build the house of God. Well, we have to keep stoking the fire, church. Um, Passion and zeal is something that has to be maintained and worked on. When you build a fire... You put a little kindling down, maybe some old leaves, some paper, something that's going to kind of ignite quickly. Then you put some small twigs on top. Then you put the big logs on top of the little sticks, don't you? 
And if you try to just light the big log, what generally happens? It, it, doesn't, it doesn't fire up. It doesn't work that way. You have to continue to build that fire. To have a fire, you have to kindle the fire. You have to stoke the fire. You have to work the fire. But you know what? The fire will continue to burn as long as it has fuel. And I hope today that we've thrown some butane on your spiritual fire for Jesus and for his church because our greatest days are the days ahead. Amen? Come on, can we just celebrate that today? Amen. You believe that in faith that God is taking us to a new place? I believe there's a time very soon we're going to fill this entire building up with people coming to Christ. It's going to be a great journey. Let's commit ourselves to love Christ and to love his church. Let's bow together for a word of prayer.